You're listening to SpecScript. Today's episode, Survivor by Derek Sheen, recorded in Seattle. Outwit, outlive, outpodcast. Hello, you're listening to the new episode of SpecScript. This is Survivor, written by Derek Sheen. But b- before we go into the episode, we've got some news from news correspondent Chris Hotomy. Please, Chris... Uh, let the listeners know what we're going to be doing. We're going to be doing Nerd Fair on February 1st in Linwood, Washington. We're going to be uh, doing Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival back in San Francisco on March 5th. And hey, on February 9th, that's our three-year anniversary, baby. Uh, it's going to be The Mandalorian, written by Ann Zander. Andalorian. Zandalorian. So tune in. You're going to love it. Thank you so much. Kyle won't be there at those shows, but Kyle will be in your house. All right. Also, thank you, Juliet, Allison, and Gary for your continued support on Patreon. Sign up and we'll shout you out. Peace out. Now it's time to start Spec Script. Oh, I love you. Seattle edition. Derek Sheen's episode of Survivor. Boah, boah, give it up for your cast as they come on stage. Alrighty. Um, all right. So everybody, uh, for the listeners at home and all that, Spec Script is a live podcast where a cool person, today's person, Derek Sheen, writes an episode of a TV show they've never seen. Today's show is Survivor, uh, and then a bunch of cool people read it aloud on stage. They're going to get nice and cozy up here. Get cozier, please. Uh, And we record here in Seattle, and then also in Portland every second Sunday at Kelly's Olympian. And you can see us all around the nation, yada, yada, yada. Uh, We in Seattle are hosted today by me, Chris Hottamy, Shane Hosey over there, Andy Iwancio over there, and uh, yeah, give it up for Andy Shane. <laughs> give it up, yeah, give it up for Andy Shane and me. I guess. Woo! All right. All right. So what we do uh, for the show for the listeners at home, you don't know what these people look like that are doing these jokes. Um, Wonderful. Oh yeah, I definitely underestimated people's butt sizes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, everyone's just gonna squeeze in. All right. Well, Chris, anywho. you always underestimate my butt size. Uh, There's one thing I know about you. <laughs> oh, I gotta misunderestimate better. All right. So what they're gonna do is our characters and character, uh, the people that are reading, are gonna tell you their character or characters they're playing, their name, of course, and then a favorite thing uh, in their life. And today's favorite thing is going to be your essential one item that you need to survive on a desert island. (laughs) All right. So, hi, my name is Chris Hottamy. I am playing Anchor 2, Eric, and uh, that's it. Uh, (laughs) Someone wrote a big, dumb idiot, but actually I'm really smart and I have a big brain. uh, And... I uh, my the one thing I need to survive on a desert island is friendship. All right, cool. All right. <laughs> I'm Andy. I will be playing the role of anchor one, and I think that breathing is good on a desert island. So I'm gonna bring that. Yeah. <laughs> good I, I talking with you. <laughs> Uh, I'm Allison Lazat. I am going to be playing Ivanka. Allison, 
and Nick. And my thing, my favorite thing to bring on a desert island, or the thing I think is most important. What do yeah, we? What do we choose? Do? Dealer's choice. Okay. Uh, the thing I want one of those uh, those multi-tool crowbar pry bar survival things. That's what I want. It has a fire starter, <laughs> compass, yeah, all that stuff. That's what I'm bringing. My name is Ethan HD. I am playing Eddie and Ethan. Oh, that's clever. I like that. And I've actually thought about this for a long time, ever since the show <laughs> Naked and Afraid came out. Because you get your one survival item, and I would bring a fleshlight. <laughs> you took mine! It's way more versatile. It's way more versatile than it seems. So that would be mine. Oh, God. I was going to say vibrator. You just totally stole my thunder, man. Very different yeah, things. Very different things. Say, yeah, all right, what? Uh, no, they're like, wow, you really planned ahead for this. <laughs> uh, my name is Aubrey. I'm playing uh, myself, I think. Uh, Flo, a grieving woman, and Ico. I'm Riley McCarthy. I am playing Jeff, Jeff Probst Jr. the 7th. The 8th. The 8th. Um, I'm not good with Roman numerals. And uh, I'm a Neither is Derek. That's not how you write 8. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> I'm a pretty anxious person, so I'd probably bring a stress ball. <laughs> uh, my name's Nick Radford. I will be playing reality show winner and Nicholas, not to be confused with Nick. And if I were stuck on a desert island, I would bring chapstick because my lips are very sensitive. Uh, my name is Josh. I will be playing the narrator as well as Josh and also L. And if I was on a desert island, I'd bring the only thing I need to sustain myself, both physically and spiritually, and that is the, the Word of God, the Bible. <laughs> I would bring <laughs> the Bible, both Old and New Testament, and even the Catholic parts in the middle. I would get uh, just one of, the, one of the really big Bibles with all the parts in it. Hey, I'm Derek Sheen. I'm sorry I wrote this. I am uh, I'm playing, I'm playing, uh, I'm playing Corpse. Uh, and then I'm also, uh, uh, and then I'm playing uh, Turk. And uh, if I was on a desert island, I think the only thing I would want to bring is my tremendously oversized warehouse of meats and vegetables. <laughs> so. And I'm Shane Hosey, and I'm going to go now, Chris. Don't grab the mic from my face. Sorry, Daddy. Uh, <laughs> I'm Shane Hosey. I'll be doing the uh, stage direction and narration, and the one thing that I'd bring to a desert island is a gun with one bullet, because fuck that, guys. I'm just out. I'm <laughs> peacing out. Everybody give it up for your amazing cast. What, what? <laughs> Andy, you're sharing the mic with us. Uh, we're like the Greek chorus back here, which means, hey, everybody, now it's time to start Spec Script! Spec <laughs> Survivor, written by Derek Sheen. <laughs> Black screen, white opening, white while opening music starts. The theme song is a swelling mix of jungle drums pounding out an energetic rhythm, while a shakunuchi, uh, shakunuchi flute creates atonal chirps and whistles. Fade in, a wide panoramic aerial shot of a tropical jungle or rainforest. The helicopter rapidly flies over dense tree line as a VO begins narration.
in the year 2000. The first games took place. We see competitors from the very first season of Survivor climbing trees, fishing, and arguing. We see the fire ceremony at the end, and a winner is chosen. The VO continues. For the next 20 years, the games would be the most popular show in America, and also the world. So many games, so many terrific moments. Just footage of random people screaming at each other. <laughs> but then, in 2020, one... The world changed forever. <laughs> Scenes of tropical storms ravaging coastlines, trees buckling under the intense wind, roofs being torn off, chaos, etc. Climate change had destroyed a majority of the tropics, and many of the exotic locations Survivor relied on for the backdrop of our competition ceased to exist, along with a massive refugee crisis <laughs> and global food shortages. Scenes of massive migrant uh, caravans carrying children covered in flies, sweeping mothers among armed children soldiers. <laughs> Survival was no longer a game to the billions of people now suffering on the planet. 2021 was also the year dual hurricanes, Eric and Lyle <laughs> Mendes. <laughs> Devastated the lower 48 and plunged the entire Gulf Coast into the ocean, turning what was left of Alabama into what we now know as New New Orleans. Stock footage from a Mardi Gras celebration. A teenage girl in a half shirt wearing several layers of beads around her neck. A shirtless white jock in Oakley's punching the air with his fist. An alligator floating in a swamp. Migrating swans covered in motor oil. The world was a different place, and survival wasn't fun anymore. The struggle was real, and that's when the game changed forever. And some might even say, for the better. Aerial shots of pristine, sun-bleached coastline slowly transition to reflect its current condition, as we see the same coastline is now littered with mountains of plastic, burnt-out automobiles, and dead birds as far as the coastline extends. The camera follows the piles of garbage and debris down the beach until it reaches six human figures standing tall among the wreckage, each dressed in black tactical gear, Kevlar vests, bandoliers, knee and shoulder pads, military-grade bo military boots, and helmets. The remaining states of America and CBS, in association with the Caballero Foodstuffs Incorporated and Soldier of Fortune magazine, <laughs> is proud to introduce the next evolution in the Survivor game show series. Fade to black as a series logo appears in bright red font that drips the letters like fresh blood. Title card, Survivor. The letters all drip into a pool at the bottom of a now black screen. And as an animated army boot steps in the puddle and splashes blood back onto the screen and announces the current year, 2025. <laughs> Fade out, dissolve two. Exterior, midday sun-drenched beach, where outside a makeshift cabana constructed of bamboo poles and covered in muslin cloth, an overly tan youngish man with obscenely white teeth and white linen pants, flip-flops, and blousy white shirt steps into frame. Tracking shot follows him as he slowly walks toward the beach, delivering monologue. Good evening, America and our millions of friends across the world. Whether you're watching from the safety of a protection encampment, a public living arena, or have somehow found safe shelter from the UV rays and are watching our broadcast being reflected on Earth's atmosphere, <laughs> tonight we bring you Survivor like you've never seen before. He pauses for a moment of contemplation, then continues walking. In the old days, when water flowed from taps, 
and food wasn't dropped in crates by attack helicopters, six lucky contestants would be dropped in the midst of a tropical paradise with no supplies and would compete to survive using their wits, their brawn, and their intellect. That was my father's father's survivor. That was before the food wars, the pestilence, and the Menendez brothers. <laughs> I'm Jeff Probst, Jr. the Eighth, and tonight we bring you the next logical evolution in reality show competitions. Jeff stops walking as the camera pulls back to a wide expose the six unknown contestants still dressed in their tactical gear, standing prostrate, arms crossed in a three-by-three formation. The six competitors you see behind me are the best of the best. They didn't get here through a submission video or an audition, no. The six warriors you see behind me got here by surviving. We held our open casting last year inside the enormous Yum Brands Inc. Arena in Atlanta. Stock aerial footage of giant concrete domed sports arena covered in corporate logos, all associated with Yum Brands. KFC, Taco Bell, Trumpy Bears, Jollibee, Monsanto's Edible Coffins, etc. <laughs> we see thousands of people standing in lines that encircled the arena multiple times over. We cut to interior shots of hundreds of smiling strangers who all seem to be dressed in protective gear, helmets, body armor, knee and shoulder pads. They're smiling for the camera and flashing thumbs up and peace signs as the camera passes them. 14,000 hopefuls filled the arena that afternoon. Then we locked the doors from the outside and announced that only six of them would leave alive. It was a maelstrom as the crowd frantically raced to turn anything they could find into a weapon. B-roll from inside the arena. The entire field is a roiling sea of violence. Screaming hordes of people attacking one another, covered from head to foot in blood. Some people stop fighting long enough to finish a thumbs up. The camera passes through the melee. Several arms and legs crowd surf over the horde as we see a multitude of fatal injuries being incurred. Throats slashed, eyes gouged out, intestines being used as rope to choke victims. After two long, grueling days, six heroes emerged victorious. Emotionally and psychologically devastated, but victorious nonetheless. Quick shots of the arena's interior post-battle reveals mountains of lifeless bodies, every square inch of wall and ceiling painted red with blood and human viscera. We cut back to Jeff, who is now inside the makeshift cabana and is lighting a ceremonial torch. For some reason, it is night now. Interior, cabana, night. The rules of the game have changed. Food is scarce, and unlike a tropical island, New New Orleans is a hellscape of disease-carrying mosquitoes, methane fog, and packs of roathing bath salt cannibals. <laughs> Not to mention the sniper's nest we've placed on every elevated building to keep our competitors moving and the show from becoming dull. The game now is simple. Keep moving, stay alive, increase your kill count, and make it out of the city. The rules are even simpler. There are no rules. Like I said, this is not my father's father's survivor. After these messages, we'll introduce you to our six fierce fighting machines. Don't change the channel, because there isn't another channel. Probst blows out the flame from the torch, and then the screen goes black. Fade to black. Cut to exterior, desolate city, street, overcast, day. Horizon shot of streets littered, street littered with burned out cars and garbage. A young girl walks into the frame. Her clothes are rags and she is covered in dirt. Her eyes are wide and clear. She turns to face the camera. A single tear falls down her darkened face, drawing a clean line down her muddy cheek. 
Behind her, we can hear inhuman screaming and howling. Tears begin to flow freely now as her cheeks become a wet mess of mud and exposed flesh. The screaming increases in volume, and now we can see a mob rushing up behind her. She just stands and faces the camera, sobbing. The noise is unbearable now as the mob descends upon her, enveloping her as she disappears into a mass of dirty clothes and screaming open mouths filled with gnashing broken teeth. As the mob tears her to shreds, the camera pulls back to expose even more chaos as buildings burn and black smoke raises into the lightning-filled sky above. I'm Eric Trump, and I approve this message. A second voice delivers legalese. Paid for by the committee to reanimate Eric Trump. <laughs> Dissolve 2. Interior, funeral home, day. We are inside a drab-looking building. Sparse, decorati- decoration every wa- uh, sparse decoration. Every wall and piece of furniture is dull brown or taupe and red with white flowers adorned sc- uh, sconces along the walls. Tracking shots down an empty carpeted hallway and around open doorways which lead to a small chapel. A giant cross adorns the wall against which sits a coffin with its lid open. A grinning corpse lies within the arm, its arms. Fo- uh, <coughs> a grinning corpse lies within its arms folded inside. A smattering of moisture, uh, a smattering of moiners all. Mourners. <laughs> hey guys, what's up? It's your boy Shane Hosey, rocking it with the narration. Yeah. <laughs> a s- Okay, uh, I lost my physical place. A smattering of mourners all decked out in black pass by the coffin and look inside. Some make the sign of the cross as they pass by. One mourner stands out among the others. She is grieving louder and more passionately than the others. And as she approaches the coffin, she grips her chest in an obvious display of grief. She looks down at the body in the casket, its face pulled into a smiling, grotesque rictus. She leans down and offers final words. Oh, God, Tom, I just miss you so much. She pauses. She takes a sniff. Then another. And then a series of sniffs. Wait, wait a minute. Is that... But before she can answer, the eyes of the corpse fly open as he sits bolt upright into the ca- in the casket. His smiling mouth opens wide as he attempts to speak. Strawberry! The grieving woman smiles and breaks off a piece of the casket, places it in her mouth, and begins <laughs> chewing. Her face registers delight as the corpse also breaks off a piece of the, its own casket and plates it in its mouth. The Monsanto logo violently punches the screen into a voice that sounds m- slightly like the la- late Macho Man Randy Savage yells, mm, Monsanto! Edible coffins! Get into it! The motherfucking flavor box! Now available in strawberry! Fuck you, motherfucker! Fuck! (laughs) Fade out. Dissolve two. Exterior, beachhead, dusk. Open on a sheer rock face against the setting sun. We see waves crashing down the beach below. A figure cast completely in shadow comes into view and begins to scale the rock. The camera pulls back to reveal the sheer scale and height of the rock wall, and it is intimidating. As they free climb, a voice begins to narrate. It is not a voice we have heard yet. For as long as I can remember, I've been a fighter. Whether I was resisting re-educators at the B-Best camp, or as a child soldier fighting bath salt cannibals for protein bricks on the beaches of Atlanta, I've fought, but not for nothing. I've always tried to fight to help others. Survive. (laughs) 
The figure climbing the rock wall reaches a hand up to grab at a jutting ledge. Their hand slips, and there's a loud, violent stab that punctuates the action. They are now hanging by one hand on their f- as their feet struggle to find balance against the wall. Because I realize we're only strong if what we're fighting, we fight together. There is only strength in unity. At this, the body swings into the... F- <laughs> Hey, guys, it's pretty dark back here. (laughs) At this, the body swings, and the free hand successfully grabs the next rock and pulls themselves up to the top of the bluff. The sun is setting, and the lightning is almost supernaturally perfect as the figure takes a deep breath and rolls onto their back, becoming visible now. They are young, fit, and muscular, lean. Their long hair is tied into a tight bun. I fight for my mother and my sisters and the brave skin farmers of Nashville, Illinois, who provide our nation with valuable protein. My name is Reality Show Winner, and I'm here to win it for all of us. Reality Show Winner, laying on their back, folds their arms behind their head and continues watching the sunset. Dissolve 2, exterior, cabana, night. Jeff Probst Jr. the 8th is standing next to Reality Show Winner, who is now decked out in full tactical ensemble. And here they are in the flesh! People of Earth's four colonies, welcome your first competitor, reality show winner! Jeff grabs their hand and raises it above his head in a celebratory gesture before returning it. Reality? Wait, can I just call you that? Of course. Great. Reality, do you have any words of encouragement for young people out there who maybe think they might have what it takes to be a survivor? Reality gets a contemplative look while they consider the weight of this question. After a long, dramatic pause... Never accept that you're good enough. Fight, and keep fighting. It'll be hard, and sometimes you'll be shook to your bare foundation, but that's when you rebuild yourself to be stronger and tougher. Also, if there are a lot of bodies around you, hide under them. Seriously, <laughs> no one will look or, or waste ammo shooting at a pile of bodies. Hide and wait until the numbers are manageable. And then push the bodies off you and scream. Trust me, it'll freak your opponents out for a few seconds, which is like all the time you need to create more bodies to hide under. And just keep doing that until they say you won. Also, stay in school and uh, don't drink from the tap. Reality shrugs, unsure, as Jeff turns away from them quickly. All right! Well, let's meet our next two competitors. That's right, they're a team. Let's take a look! Dissolve 2. Interior, abandoned house, early day. The sound of automatic gunfire is deafening. Rays of bright daylight randomly appear from the multiple bullet holes that keep whistling through the puffs of drywall splintered wood. Broken glass and debris litters the floor, and we are in what appears to be the remains of a kitchen of the shadow, as the shadow of two figures sitting in a, on a dirty floor backed against a bullet-ridden s- ridden s- bullet ridden s- bullet riddled sink and stall. Life ra- live rounds whiz past them, and one turns to the other. What do we have left, Eddie? Eddie ducks and leans forward to grab a black duffel bag with their right hand. The bag's strap is just outside of reach without making themselves prone. They lean forward, and a bullet explodes a hole in the floor close to the bag. Eddie pulls back quick. Oh, shit. Fuck. Hold on a second. 
Eddie fumbles with the bandolier and over their shoulder until they manage to grab a small round grenade. It's apparently the last one on the belt. Eddie holds it up to Flo, who nods, and immediately brings up their left hand to cover their eyes. Using their thumb and forefinger, Eddie pulls out the grenade pin. They make the sign of the cross with the grenade in the hand before throwing it in the direction of the gunfire. Eddie closes their eye hard, eyes hard and plunges their right, plugs their right ear. You might want a duck. Suddenly, the camera angle dips below the sink counter as a flash of hot white light fills every square inch of screen. There is no explosion, but we instantly hear unholy screaming. This is no ordinary grenade. The screaming intensifies along with the brightness of the flash. Within moments, the focus starts to return and the camera ba balances the light again. The gunfire stopped as well as the screaming. Flo and Eddie are still backed against the sink, covering their eyes and ears. Eddie opens one eye and peeks around before looking at the camera. They reach their right arm around the and gently slap Flo's cheek. Flo opens their eyes and also looks directly into the camera. That's when it's revealed that Flo and Eddie share one body for their two heads. No one told the camera guy about the infinity grenades? Why are you yelling? Sorry, ears are still ringing. Flo squints and leans forward, closer to the camera. Fuck! Burned his eyes right out of his head. You can see his brains in there. Eddie squints their eyes to look closer as well. No shit. Wow. You can see all the way in there. Wait, didn't he say he had a kid? Yeah, remember he showed us all those pictures and he wouldn't shut up about him? He was like a proud dad, maybe a little too proud. Oh, fuck, that's bad. What is it? Camera's still on. Fade to black. <laughs> a picture of a young male appears on screen. Their massive forehead carries a mop of dirty blonde hair, and their smile through a mouthful of crooked and oversized teeth betrays an unhealthy amount of self-confidence. Self Below the photo, words suddenly appear. Slap Chutworth, 1999 to 2025. Good second unit, a proud dad. <laughs> Dissolve 2. Exterior, cabana, night. Jeff Probst is now standing next to Flo and Eddie, who are dressed in skin-tight Kevlar mesh and chromed-out body armor. Their utility belt is stocked with an assortment of grenades, two large bladed weapons, two flashlights, and two sidearm holsters. Jeff addresses the camera. Our hearts go out to the family of young Slap, and as a consolation, his family will all be receiving Survivor 2025 t-shirts, as well as a discount code for their own Monsanto edible coffin. Available in Key Lime, Black Forest Ham, and now available in Strawberry. Jeff turns back to Flo and Eddie. Flo, Eddie, what an incredible display of teamwork back there. And rumor has it, you two have been friends for quite a while now. Jeff smiles slyly at his dumb joke, but Flo and Eddie exchange a look of slight confusion before Eddie answers. Um, well, we're more than friends, Jeff. Flo and I... We've been married for exactly six years next month. Flo turns to look into Eddie's eyes longingly as they continue to speak. Flo and I met about 15 years ago at a Soldier of Fortune singles meetup. Wait, you two weren't born with as, um... Jeff nervously gestures with his hands, trying to find the right words. Oh, heavens no. No, we met, um, I met Eddie when we were giving a symposium on how 9-11 could have been done better. <laughs> and I was there with my jet fuel can't melt steel beams group for the speech on how the Earth is actually a pyramid floating inside of a hexagonal terrarium. <laughs> Let's just say that it was love at first agreement about how 9-11 was actually a case of the Mandela effect and never actually happened, but because of a subliminal psyops operation perpetuated by the US government to further their research into creating a hive mind that could be easily controlled. Well. 
And of course, this was all before 9-11 2023, <laughs> which just went to prove everything. But anyways, yeah, we love it for a sight. That's a beautiful story. But I and probably a majority of the people watching are wondering why two... Flow interrupts. Why two heads on the one body? No worries, Jeff. We get that question a lot. <laughs> Especially when people realize that our heads are two completely different cut colors. Eddie, you want to feel this one? Sure. Besides the part where we decided that we never wanted to spend a moment apart, Flo lost over 90% of her body in a horrific grease fire when we tried to deep fry turkey, and the only option was to remove their head and attach it to my, now our, body. Wow! That is an amazing and scientifically baffling story, but also inspirational. Incredible. Anything you want to tell the world, Flo and Eddie? Their heads turn to face each other, and each nods before turning to face the camera again. The couple that slays together stays, stays together. together. They high-five awkwardly. <laughs> <laughs> well, put that sentiment to the test pretty soon. But in the meantime, let's take a quick break for our sponsors, and if you go anywhere, you'll be attracted by... Nexus patrols and forced into re-education. So, stay tuned. Dissolve 2. Exterior, building rooftop, day. Tracking shot across the high rooftop of a random city building. Vents belching steam as the camera travels under and around several feet of twisting pipe before picking up speed across the cement roof. We hear the firing of high-caliber ammunition from all directions as the camera takes a tight corner and comes to rest on a body lying prostrate on its belly. They are dressed in black with high-polished military-grade boots, tack belt, and vest. Their black cap is turned backwards on their head as they sight down the scope of the large sniper rifle. They lay completely still, and when, they, when we hear them draw one very slow, deep breath in before they pull the trigger. A loud report follows as the br uh, brass casing flies out of the rifle and spins like a top on the roof surface. Camera closes in on, on the figure's head as they turn to face the camera. I'm Nick, and I'm a sniper. Have you ever found yourself under siege by a pack of feral children or basalt cannibals, and you instinctively move to higher ground or an elevated position? Chances are, you have what it takes to be a sniper. Have you ever wanted to shoot someone in the face, but you didn't have the stomach or the courage to face-to-face -to -face confrontations? Have you ever just wanted to murder someone with a high-velocity <laughs> Lazzaroni scramjet, lubed and steel-jacketed 6.53 by 2.257 millimeter, traveling at neither... Nearly 3,958 feet per second from over 500 yards away. If that answer to any of these questions is yes or yeah, maybe, then Nick's Sniper School is for you. With our intensive four-week course, students learn how to climb up to stuff and fire down at things and load high-capacity rounds into super bitchin'-looking guns and shoot all that shit and even blow some shit up, all from a safe, mostly anonymous distance. You'll learn skills like lighting two cigarettes with one match, hiding stuff, <laughs> hiding, looking at stuff through a little rifle scope, picking out the right ghillie suit, blink three times with your right eye twice with your left to be instantly connected to an operator, or if you're still using dial-up, just yell into the sky and one of our main, many trained snipers will fire information near wherever you're standing. Nick Sniper School, never face your enemies again! Fade two. Interior. Oval office. Day. The Oval office is in disarray. Pictures hang crookedly on the, 
and the ones that are missing clearly left a discolored square on the wall, exposing the original paint color. A woman sits behind the desk. She is blonde, but her roots are starting to show through. Her smile looks disingenuous, almost manufactured. Hey, America. Hi, it's me, your president, Ivanka. Look, I hate this as much as you do, but it's the situation we find ourselves in. <laughs> Anyways, this is actually a commercial for this new thing that I want to try, and it has to do with taxes. So, yay! You guys all hate them, and I have this idea, okay? Ivanka turns her head and yells to someone off camera. Tony! Roll it! The screen flickers for a moment as countdown numbers flash. It looks like it's been shot on actual film stock. As the frame comes into focus, we see it's being shot behind glass, as we can see reflections of seated audience behind the camera. On the other side of the glass is a man strapped into an electric chair. There's a black cloth mask covering his face. There's an audible gasp throughout the room as the body begins to violently jerk back and forth, and it becomes obvious that he is being filled with lethal amounts of current. Smash cut to a large, bald man sitting in a small, single-occupancy cell. He is covered in tattoos. Hi, my name's Turk. And that was me six months from now. <laughs> Ten years ago, I calmly walked into a Peterson Technical College and killed every single student on campus with a Phillips head screwdriver. Before removing all of their heads and placing them decoratively on the Peterson Technical School's May Day float and driving it down the parade route. I was on trial for 72 individual counts of murder, and I deserved every single one of them. But then something occurred to me while on death row. I may have taken an awful lot of lives, but I was also something of a job creator as well. <laughs> All those medical professionals, first responders, law enforcement, EMTs, grief counselors, physical therapists, medical examiners, morticians, not to mention all the edible coffin manufacturers, ghost hunters, and psychics. I help support a lot of local businesses and help state employees earn overtime during a holiday. Sure, I brought a lot of sadness with me, but any omelet needs eggs. I may be dead now, but don't let my philanthropy die with me. Every time you murder, you free a citizen of their tax burden and provide a financial opportunity for somebody else. So, keep that in mind next time you're standing in a really long line and your patience is at its breaking point. <laughs> Maybe today is the day you send some innocent citizens to whatever tax-free nirvana they might subscribe to and help crime scene cleaning crews get a little overtime. If helping people is a crime, then arrest me. <laughs> little joke there. Back to Ivanka, who is now awkwardly laying on the desk on her side. So, my idea is making murders legal, but only in cases where you're mad, or you see people as objects who are your only way, or stuff like that. But, like, not all murder, but some. Like, if we lower the population, and then there's more of us, and then we don't have to pay as many taxes because there's less people. Or, wait, do we pay more taxes because there's less people to pay taxes? Shit! She begins sobbing. <laughs> oh, God. I did it again. I'm so bad at this. I'm so stupid. Oh, Daddy and Eric and Daddy Jr. <laughs> Why did you have to leave me? She begins yelling at the ceiling as if she's talking directly to heaven. I'll bring you back. I promise, Daddy. 
She then catches herself, and it occurs to her that she is still filming a commercial. She looks directly into the camera. Make murder legal. Not all, but some. Ivanka's apparent slogan fills the screen, and it's all in Comic Sans. A voiceover reads the message. Murder. It's the solution to everything, but only if it's like you're mad or you see people as objects and lack empathy. Ivanka. I'm Ivanka Trump, and I approve this message. No, Daddy, I'm coming for you. <laughs> Exterior, beachhead, night. Jeff Probst Jr. the Eighth is walking quietly along the shoreline as the sea foam washes up against his feet. He looks up contemplatively and speaks directly to the camera. Welcome back. Our next contestant is from the world of competitive eating, which has become America's number one pastime since food insecurity is an all-time high. In fact, it's become so lucrative that it's actually surpassed underwater golden hockey stick fencing and even mortal boxing. <laughs> it not only takes a strong stomach, it takes something very few competitors have. And that's a strong... Interrupted directly into a bright light red flashing breaking news banner. We immediately cut to a futuristic news desk inside a large studio. Two anchors sit behind the desk, shuffling papers furiously as interns run back and forth. It's pandemonium. One of the anchors begins to speak as the camera calmly, <laughs> clumsily closes in on their forehead before unsteadily framing their face. Good evening, people of Earth's four districts. Mm -hmm. We interrupt this momentous occasion to bring you this breaking news. Camera swings over to anchor number two, who is already sweating nervously. As they speak, there is audible fear in their voice. The, the boundaries of reality were destroyed tonight, and we are now officially floating in the timeless void without meaning, order, or chronology. Moments ago, President Ivanka Trump, blessed be her name, pushed the button on the new and improved Hadron Collider in a desperate attempt to resurrect her late daddy and brothers who perished when they stared directly into an infinity grenade they mistook for a solar eclipse. Hmm. A rip in the fabric of this space-time continuum is rapidly rearranging the barriers between our world and other possible dimensions. We go now to our reporter at the scene of the tear, Ayako Cassavetes. Ayako, are you there? We cut to a remote shot of a person whose features are slowly disorting. Behind them, windows in time rapidly open and close all around as colored lights from out of nowhere flash in rapid succession. Through some of the windows, we can see things reaching through the openings into our world. Large tentacles snap out at some of the windows as people everywhere are running and screaming. Some of them seem to be running backwards I'm as if they're being crook. rewound. Fire appears and disappears. As Luke the anchor Ryan begins to speak, their voice changes pitch to reflect time speeding up and slowing down. Hello, Chip and Wendy. I am no one and everyone, and I am where you are right now and also in this place. I am the Alpha and the Omega as time is tearing me apart and putting me back together again. Back to you, Chip. Before she's able to sign off, a massive tentacle explodes from her face and pushes the camera over. <gasps> then the camera is somehow back in its original position, and a much younger Ayako has replaced the previous Ayako. Uh, 
Thank you, Ayako. Uh, by the way, I'm upside down right now. Uh, in tomorrow's news, nothing, and then a big bang as time resets itself <laughs> and begins the entire process of creation all over again, eventually leading directly to this exact moment we are doomed to repeat on a loop as we hurtle through the fabric of the cosmos. Now the weather. There are no more cameras, no more pictures. We are now all one consciousness as the next few scenes will be shared by our collective hive mind and then rapidly forgotten and repeated again. Wait, wait, what? Why, why, am, I, why am I in the script now? Whoa, Joshua, can, can you hear me? Is, is anybody there? Aubrey, Aubrey, we're sitting at the same table. I'm Hi. right here. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, wait a minute. What table? I'm not even here. <laughs> oh, wow. This was the wrong time for my edible to kick in. Time is a false construct. Its very concept is a prison for our humanity. We live in a simulation. We are all one. We share one mind now. What, what we, we perceive, perceive as reality is in all actuality the result of an organic program language designed to lull the conscious mind into a state of placid complacency while our bodies are harvested for their nutrients and minerals by a race of machines that have bred us as batteries to continue enabling their superiority over mankind. Okay, wait, wait a minute. Uh, wait a fucking minute. That's the whole plot of The Matrix. <laughs> Just then, a flash of blinding white light envelops everything as space explodes outward into nothingness and matter is created. We fast forward to the birth of stars in the fabric of space. Fast forward to a young Earth as we zoom in on a roiling sea filled with prehistoric creatures. Dinosaurs look up into the sky as a single meteor rips through the clouds. Fast forward through scenes of early man discovering fire using weapons. Fast forward through scenes of Viking ships sailing the ocean. Double fast forward through the rise and fall of the Roman Empire, the Crusades, large-scale European colonization, the Industrial Revolution, World War I, two, Donald Trump being sworn in. Fast forward through scenes of natural disasters, rising waters, a map of the U.S. without Florida or Louisiana. The speed slows to normal. Black screen while opening music starts. The theme song is a swelling mix of jungle drums. In the year 2000, the first games took place. The end. Oh, everybody, that has been Sex Script. Survivor by Derek Sheen, Mamma Mia. Oh my God. Oh, give it up for your amazing cast. Uh, as I say your name, tell us if you've got anything cool people should check out for our listeners at home or the people flesh embodied in here. Uh, give it up for Allison Lazar. Yay! Nope, I got nothing happening for the next little while. Woo! Ethan HD. I am absolutely fucking killing it on Twitter <laughs> at Real Ethan HD. Also, check out uh, Destiny City Comics. Yes. Uh, we got a lot of nerd fans. Uh, uh, give me, uh, uh, give it up for Aubrey Edwards. Hey. I, uh, I'm on TV every Wednesday, yelling at dudes in their underwear. Yeah. All right, watch that underwear TV. Everyone, give it up for Riley McCarthy. Woo. 
Uh, if you're listening and you live in Portland, I produce a show. It's the first Tuesday of every month called Relentless Splendor at Sookie's in Portland, Oregon. Most of our listeners do. Everyone, uh, Nick Radford. Check out my poetry on my social media. Nick is Radford. Catch me in the Pacific Northwest wrestling scene. And I have a Christmas birthday, so if you want to go to my Amazon wish list, all the links are on my social media. <laughs> it would be great. Thank you. Oh, yeah, shut up. Yeah, man, it's no mic. Uh, Josh Chambers. You can follow me on Twitter, uh, Josh underscore Chambers, where I complain about the president and professional wrestling. <laughs> and listen to my podcast, How Bad Could It Be? We just reached number two. The number two stand-up comedy podcast in Jamaica. So. Whoa! <laughs> All right. And your writer for you today's episode. Well, you wrote an episode of Spec Script. I don't know any of our rankings because I don't know how to find that out. <laughs> but I meant being number two in Jamaica. <sighs> That's hard. I mean, being number n- yeah, maybe. Maybe. Derek, make a podcast as his target demo. Anyway, Derek Sheen, your Thank writer. You. What do you got going on, Daddy? Uh, you know what? I'm getting back on the road in January. You can find everything at Derek Sheen Rules with a Z dot com. All right, baby. Or check boy. me out on Twitter at Derek Sheen. Woo! All right, I've been Chris Hotomy, your other host for tonight. You've got Andy Iwancio. You've got Shane Hosey. Give it up for Justin, Ian, Emma, Sable, everyone. You know, the point is we're going to be we're going to be around. We're going to be going to Philly later this year. We're going to be going to uh, Asheville later this year. We're probably going to go to uh, San Francisco again. We're going to be in Sacramento. We're going to go to Ohio. We're going to go to New Hampshire. And we're going to go all the way to Washington, D.C. Peace out. I love you. Follow us on Twitter at Specsrip Show, Instagram at Specsrip, Facebook. Give us a review on iTunes. I love you. Peace out. Thank you for listening to Specscript. Come to our three-year anniversary show on February 9th as Ann Zander writes The Mandalorian. Will Baby Yoda be there? Find out. You will. You will.